You're about to witness a seismic event. Talk brunch where the eels are all baby faces. Now, let the party begin. Live, start the countdown. Happy Sunday night all Tonight we come to you off of the heels of WWE SummerSlam 2019 It is August 11th I am your host as always, Rick Dyer, a.k.a. Captain Brunch This is episode 333 And it's going to serve as your WWE SummerSlam 2019 post-show So without further ado, I'm going to introduce who's going to be riding shotgun with me tonight None other than Mr. Destin Frazier Welcome to the biggest party of the summer, where we where we officially do not have steel reserve. <laughs> that being said, I'd like to shout out the chat room. We've had people hanging out for the entire Summer Slam, so we had Elite Gamer eight seven eight. Thank you for the follow, Foster Meerkat seventy four. Thank you for the follow, UT Real nine nine eight. Thank you for the follow, Savage Huns one hundred, Stasis, EB Gamer, Joe Woko. Soul Venom Gaming, Lyric Guide, Sugar Shane 94, Baron 2 Account, Matt Squires, Bubba Ray 08, Fire Striker 24, Royal Nest 250889, Vintage Leaf 6603, thank you for the follow, Half Flower 93002, his sister, thank you for the follow, Will 2055, Goku Goose 98, thank you for the follow, Sports Fanatic 13, thank you for the follow, Nakamura Fan 1, thank you for the follow, BYJ All Day, Phil Toxic, Viable Sleet 85 and Fat Albert Man. Also, yesterday for the NXT C Room 87801373, Mr. Onage INT, Lost Love 3, Duet Amoeba 930, Mamad is Best, Awesome 4137, The Mage Man 37, and also those listening currently to the live feed over at talkbrunch.com. And of course, the majority of you who are listening on iTunes, Stitcher, and all other popular podcaster apps. We're available on every digital audio provider, including SoundCloud. Just search Talk Brunch, and you can visit TalkBrunch.com for that, plus our social media links, as well as replays of all of our content. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We're here to talk about this crazy SummerSlam. Holy crap. Yeah. It has definitely <laughs> been one of those weekends. huh? Every, everybody is impressed so far. I'm not even going to lie. Well, some of them, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> So, I would say that they definitely brought their A-game for this. Oh, uh, for sure. Everything looked good. Everything was designed really well. Uh, we didn't go into NXT. We might do it tonight. I might actually just piggyback into the main show tomorrow, the, the NXT TakeOver. But they did a great show. You guys were in the chat room. Thank you for joining us for that. Uh, they never disappoint there. I know you're going to want a thorough review, so we're going to talk about that. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, if anything, they even beat some of their own standards. Yeah, Absolutely. So this started off with a kickoff, or as we call it, what do we call it again? The uh, royalty free, the, the royalty free, the royalty check free show. Royalty check free show because whoever's on this, they don't get no royalties for when the WWE SummerSlam 2019 uh, DVDs or Blu-rays or on-demand stuff. So the royalty free team comes out and kicks it off with Drew Gulak defending his cruiserweight championship against Oni Larkin. Uh, finish here being Gulak wins without uh, that throw punch into that cyclone crash. Yeah, and uh, only came to fight. Only, Chip, you know what? 
Oh. You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Thank you for the follow up, Albert, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Welcome <laughs> aboard. No shame. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, this was, um, I think, yeah, this was Oni's first big pay per view since he's been in the WWE outside of TakeOvers, which he's only been to maybe one or two. But oh, yeah. yeah, quite quite the coming out for the kid, though. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I have to say that with this match, it, I, I, I hate to say, it, but it's not really that good. Like, it didn't do anything for me. It certainly didn't do anything for them. Like, these guys have had way better pay-per-view matches on the regular 205 Live show. And this was actually one of the more underwhelming matches, in my opinion. There was nothing in it that would make someone that wasn't already watching 205 Live now decide to tune in this upcoming Tuesday. Like, it was just Oni Larkin versus Drew Gulak. And it wasn't even crazy, Oni Larkin versus Drew Gulak. It was just yeah. like a regular match. And that's surprising me because this is SummerSlam and if you're going to get more viewers for 205 Live which in my opinion it looks like they've already given up on anyway you would need to put a little bit more effort into it than that and I know those guys are capable of more than that there, there's like three matches on 205 Live and it goes 45 minutes and Oni Larkin think about the people in this match Drew Gulak and Oni Larkin are really known to put on really strong matches what do you really remember about that match that was good compared to the stuff they normally do <laughs> I mean, out, nothing really out of the ordinary. I mean, Oni's European uppercuts always look really good. The fact that he throws his body into them so well looked good. But yeah, nothing too standoutish this time. Like, no, there really wasn't. It was that, really tame for a two o five live match, and that's something that bothers me. You know, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's, just like. Um, it you know. I mean, I mean, we, cool we just not like, too long um, ago saw hmm. Oni Lorcan and Arya Davari almost kill each other in a no in a in a hardcore match. So it's like it's, it's definitely yeah. kind of disappointing. Yeah, I didn't like it, and uh, like the, like I said, there were a few cool things. Gulak scoop slamming Lorcan into the ropes. You know that spot was was crazy, but you know aside from that, they were really trying to sell this match at commentary to the point where Aiden English. Uh, called it the hardest hitting match we've seen here. And I don't know who that, huh. who else that was on commentary with him, but they kind of, you hear them sort of chuckle. And it's because it's like, dude, it's the only match we've seen here. Like the show just started. And this, and this week match. Joseph. Oh, was it? And I, I think know. that's who the guy was. Yeah, I'm not even sure who was out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, so it's I, like I having one know. match and be like, this is a match of the night. It's the only one so far. Yeah, like they need to take it easy. Be easy, brothers. Be easy. But yeah, uh, there was a posting of Drew Gulak that they put up here. So we're going to check out. We'll link it to you guys as well so you can see. SummerSlam, such a prestigious night. And you, sir, Drew Gulak, just retained the Cruiserweight Championship. How good does it feel to get a win out there? How does it feel to get a win? After three years in the WWE of doing nothing but trying to help people get better, trying to change things, now I'm changing myself. You understand? This is proof. This is the pudding right here. The proof is in the pudding. You know that change is the law of life, Kathy? Did you know that? It's the only certain thing in this universe is change. Nothing endures but change. You ever hear that? Heraclitus, do your homework. If change is the law of life, then I am the law. Okay, good for him. He is the law, like uh, like Judge Dredd. <laughs> Judge Gula, here we go. Yeah, but you know that, that division's really good. I just don't think that what we got here was a good example of how good they can be. Yeah, you know? we we did not get the best by a long shot. 
And that that's really what disappoints me because, uh, well, first of all, here we are again with it. it say, say no more. It's the first match that we've seen on the on the royalty free show. Yeah. You know, it's never it's never featured in the middle. And then when it is, they don't really let them cut loose and do their own thing here. So, like I said, disappointing in my opinion, you know. Yeah, definitely. Very. Uh, so then we have um, what exactly happened? We had a natty thing happen backstage where uh, she's talking about the match. And I know, obviously, you get a lot of backstage during the kickoff. But what really made me bring this up is the fact that uh, her backstage promo should have been in an area where you could have heard the crowd pop since she's Natalia Neidhart and she's in Canada. You ever notice that like when someone's backstage and they come out on camera, they have the the microphone set where you can hear the crowd pop from the first time that they see them? Go back and watch yeah. that Natty promo. She's in the most quiet dentist's office room that you would ever see to the point where it's complete silence. It's almost a soundproof room where you can only hear her voice. Maybe it's just something I pick up on because of how much we screw at audio around here. But it's like suddenly she's in the soundproof room where you can only hear her practically a, a voice recording booth. And then the moment that her promo ends, it goes back to regular sound and you hear the sound of the audience now and everybody back at rings. And I was just thinking how weird of a production choice that is. Maybe I'm being picky here, but how weird of a production choice that I, cause I was waiting to hear the pop of like, you know, Natty comes on screen to give a backstage promo and it was silence because of where they just, had her. It was really just like, here to tell you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just oh, couldn't believe it. God. Go back and watch. Don't take my word for it. Go back and watch. If you have the network, you can rewind. Go right back to that point and listen to how soundproof that room is. And it's the only thing in the entire thing that was like, I don't know if it was intentional or just shitty luck for Natty, but I don't know. It just, it just bothered me. It was so awkward. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, like I said, they killed the crowd noise. You know, they killed her pop. If this was an episode, that's what it would be called. It'd be called They Killed Her Pop. I mean... It's not like we've never saved an episode title for the next day. So let me write that one down. Killed her pop. <laughs> yeah, get ready for it, right? Because poor, poor Natty, which is one of the coolest people that they have on the whole damn thing. Exactly. You know, and it's like never, never really gets. But I mean, we'll, we'll be getting into her stuff later on because trust me, she comes up later in the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But first we get a singles match, an unannounced singles match, unless I wasn't paying attention. It's yeah, a, this one was not announced. Yeah, it's Apollo Cruz against Buddy Murphy with the Buddy's finish. new music. Yeah, I didn't even notice. That's not. That's, I suck. You know the funny <laughs> thing is, I noticed it was it was new music because I'm not even gonna front. I have Buddy Murphy's original music on my Spotify. It's good workout music, all right. But uh, yeah, it's I saw it and I was just like, wow, the first time I've seen him. And I love how they even went as far to be like, yeah, this is uh, actually Buddy Murphy's first match since being on the day. And I was like, why would you? No. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know how long he's been here? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, nah, I don't, I don't know. But uh, the finish to this is Eric Rowan comes out and he beats the crap out of Buddy Murphy. And this is the payback for implicating him on the attack on Rowan. And then he somehow, I don't even know how he survives it, but he hits Murphy with a crucifix power bomb into the ring post from the outside. He just throws him into it. <laughs> Yo, he looked, that, that landing looked like the worst ride ever. Are they turning him babyface or into the next Zack Ryder? Because like, I know, would like, hope at least babyface. This poor guy got beat up by both people in this feud. And it's not even really a feud. Yeah, it's not even like an established feud yet. 
Next, they're gonna have Joe come and choke him out, right? Don't do that. Oh my god! You know what it is? He's gonna he's gonna be Heath Slayer in that one Royal Rumble where he he didn't get in the ring, but like five the next five entrants come back came by and beat him up. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the gimmick. It's gonna be backstage segment with Buddy Murphy gonna walk by, and the next thing you know, for no reason. Yeah. So unfortunately, Buddy Murphy's taken out there. My favorite part was in the Archie Rumi. He goes, "Well, this match is ruined." <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, prior to the to the run, and despite this match specifically being designed to advance the Rowan storyline, uh, this match was a um, it, to me it was a better representation of Tool Five Live than the actual Tool Five Live match that they had before that. It was more athletic, more spots were done here. They did it in a shorter time because it was to lead into the Eric Rowan thing. But it's kind of funny how this to me was better. Like they should have called that the Tool Five Live match, and Apollo Cruz isn't even in that damn division. So I don't know, man. It is crazy. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. I mean, I I I think the only thing I can hope for is just can we can we slim Apollo down a little bit? Maybe that could work. And put him on there. But you see there what you I mean? That's the match that should represent the division more than anything. Exactly. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. So then after this, I believe is that when we get the Elias segment? Oh yes, good old, totally over. Not just wasting time, Elias. Yeah, which is funny because he, I actually like the segment where, like, you know, he basically talks about Toronto and, uh, you know, like, just, just he knows he's in Toronto and he, and he craps on them, you know, not having the World Cup and, you know, a bunch of sports references and he just completely gets the crowd nice and hot for Edge to do a cameo. And Edge winds up hitting a spear on Elias, which caught me off guard because yeah. the last time Edge hit a spear was 2011, his retirement spear during uh, WrestleMania 27 against uh, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, yeah, it was so cool to see him hit it again. I was like, I oh, fucking got him with the spear. Like, yeah, it's that been was great. a long time since he's done one of those. Even he looked excited when he came back up. Yeah, very cool stuff. And uh, that was a cameo I could appreciate. You know, I, I really enjoyed him coming out. And it's cool to see. I didn't know with his neck how much he was limited on doing because he hasn't done a single thing physically ever since. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, that was cool. And was it's been eight cool. years of no physicality. So. Yeah, the Elias part was good with the heat and with the sports references. And then the edge coming and bringing it in was also awesome. So That wow. pop was massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, then we get the women's tag title match. Was this also unannounced? I believe it was, right? Yeah. yeah. I tell you the truth, because the women's tag titles, I'm surprised they even made it to the pre-show. Yeah. So it was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending their titles against the Iconics, with the finish being Alexa Bliss going over with Twisted Bliss. And uh, I'd have to rewatch this match, which I'm probably not going to do, to explain why I didn't like it. Like, maybe they were sent out there at the last minute. Maybe they just didn't have good chemistry with each other. But the timing just felt a little wonky, and the striking at times felt weak. Uh, there were points in the match where it just looked like four women flailing about, you know? Like, nothing really seemed to flow together well. If you go back and watch and tell me if I'm off about it, this. The sad just, part about it is I can buy more that it was just like a last-minute, hey, send the women tag titles out. Yeah, I just didn't get anything from this. It wasn't one thing in particular, but just go back and watch the timing of certain things, and the, it just didn't look good. You know, sometimes something just doesn't look good. I felt that this was one of those matches where everything just didn't flow together well. You know, like that. I'm, I'm, I don't oh, yeah. want to get into specifics, but I know there was like almost a late break and like a and like a pinfall. Uh, it just felt slow and sluggish. Honestly, you know, it just felt slow and sluggish the whole way through. Yeah, just take your word. Just just take our word for it. It was a. Uh, 
Yeah, I guess that's a good word for it. But nonetheless, uh, there was a post of uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So let's see what the hell this is. Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, congratulations on your first successful title defense of the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. Now, of course, this match was only announced against the Iconics a couple hours prior to the kickoff show beginning. Do you think that the outcome would have changed if the Iconics had more notice? Um, no. We are fighting champions, and that was the first thing we wanted to do was defend our titles no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. We are ready for the fight. No matter when, morning, night, evening, daytime, afternoon, brunch, breakfast, dinner, lunch, aftershock, evening. We are ready anytime and anywhere, just like Alexa said. Pew, 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 pew. The Iconics pew. could have had a day, a week, a month to prepare, but we were still going to come out victorious because that's what we do. And we're going to take the women's tag division to infinity. And beyond! And beyond! <laughs> that's awesome. On your first, <laughs> that is too good. That's too good. Yo, her expression alone made that so worth it. Just... <laughs> oh god, what the fuck I do? Oh my god, that was wonderful. Yeah, it's funny because everybody was waiting for the big breakup between these two, expecting it to be any day now, and they went in the opposite direction. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. You know, everyone's expecting predictable, and look, they, they're they going to, even if it does happen, they prolonged it doing this, like the tag title run, maybe even making that an instrument of the reason why they ultimately do break up in the future. But also, I like the idea that not everyone has to break up to end the storyline. Exactly. And I mean, I don't mind funny Nikki Cross like I. I, I, I love crazy Nikki Cross, obviously, but I mean, funny Nikki works. Yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it, you know. I think they did really good here. And uh, as far as her development, I don't even know what that is. That was scary, though. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, uh, that was Sparks. Uh, the, thank the you, Link. Sparks. The Sparks make noise now? Really? I didn't even know that. I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Links. Thank you, sir. It's girl, it's girl hell no team. Oh, he says that they're the female hell no. Oh, team my God. No? I don't know, because Team Hell No hated each other. Exactly. Like, they just started out hating each other like this. Yeah, pretty much. I know. I have to edit the icon. I don't want a zombie. I want some sort of a wrestling thing. And, <laughs> you know, I okay. didn't know that that happened. I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do. E- easy fix. Get ECW zombie. No. <laughs> what would you like to see them do with Nikki Cross going forward if they were to do anything beyond the Alexa oh. thing? If it is going to end in a breakup, give me back Psycho NXT Nikki because it's the perfect catalyst for it because she's gotten so close to Alexa. But if you're going to keep this rolling right now, considering how rocky her start was when she first came up, I'm just happy to see her on TV on a regular basis because there was what a solid what month and a half, two months when she first came up. We didn't even see her. And if she was, it was in some like random gimmick that nobody cared about. It felt like they rushed her up, and then when they finally did, they didn't have a spot for her, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and it did seem like it was like she was just thrown into the mix and luckily found her footing. So that's You know what? You just made the list! Oh, no! Oh, here we go. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Lindsay. You. Thank you for the follow. But Much Yeah, I think definitely if they're going to go for the breakup angle, bringing back old NXT Nikki Cross is the best end result because people loved Nikki back then. Like, yeah. people used to be ecstatic to see her. And you see it only a tad bit in the entrance, but it's a lot more toned down than it used to be. Yeah. 
No, no, it definitely is. Uh, and, you know, I think I, that's better because it was a little too over the top. Remember, I didn't like the NXT version of her. I thought that was too much. It was just like it used to just annoy me. Where it was just like, you know, chill out a little bit, you know. And then she always yeah. looked really oily, too. She took care of that, too. Somebody powdered her ass. Because I'm like, <laughs> really shiny. I was just like, why are you so shiny? Oh, like, if we could only get away with that for the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody powdered her ass. <laughs> well, I just look. I was just like, why the hell is she so shiny? She looks like she just rolled around in baby oil and then came running out as Nikki Cross, you know? <laughs> she was hanging out with fucking Joey Ryan for the show. Yeah, no, <laughs> Good we... luck, Nikki. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we definitely got that. And, uh, yeah, and it's Nikki's first main roster championship, you know, it's the women's titles, but I mean, the women's tag titles, but still. Yeah, they just need to give them a little bit more time to plan. Don't throw it out there like that because look how it came out. But, uh, I think next we had another women's match, right? They were they were anxious to get a lot of these women matches in because next we had the WWE Raw Women's Title Submission match, right? Yep, the man Becky Lynch versus Old Canada Natalia. Old Canada. Anyway, we had voting results for this one because guess what? It was actually planned ahead of time. Becky Lynch came in defending her title. So, you know what? You just made the list. Oh no! Oh, here we go. <laughs> I see Jupiter. Thank you for the following. Got a lot of followers Thank this, you. during this uh, weekend, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been it's been a party all night. Yeah. So, seventy eight percent of you voted for Becky Lynch defending her title. Twenty two percent with Natalia going over in Canada. The finish was Natty tapped out to the disarmer, and uh, yeah, I think we kind so, of uh, all saw this, this coming in one way or another, right? Yeah. I mean, this was pretty physical for a submission match. Like, Very physical. Not what I expected at first with the way they were rolling around and stuff became like really just a lot of grappling. But it was it did wind up serving its purpose in the story that they were telling. So I thought that was cool. And, you know, to top it off, I'm glad that it wasn't just the same thing that it usually is. You know, like it was it was different. And that's what I what we need is for not everyone doesn't need to go out there and have the same kind of match. And that's something I'm noticing with uh this show. And I hope we're going to start seeing in the future is that, you know, the match didn't have the same formula. A lot of these matches didn't have this, the, the, what you would expect as far as the, the pacing goes, you know. Exactly. A lot of the matches felt very much different. I think one of my favorite spots, probably one of the best spots of the match was um Natty getting Becky in the sharpshooter. But what was it like around the ring post? Like she was all tied yeah, she, up in some contraption. She, she has her, it just a, looked like it sucked. She's applying the sharpshooter. Natty's on the top turnbuckle applying the sharpshooter with Becky hooked around the middle turnbuckle. Is uh what they did there. Which oh, yes, like, that, that that was cool. <laughs> you know. That looked like there was no way to make that fun whatsoever. Yeah, and you've never seen that before, you know? Like, think about the fact that she innovated uh, a way to use the sharpshooter. Yeah. It, was, it was definitely Natty's, something Natty's different. always been known for doing it, but this one worked the best out of everyone she's ever tried. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I give a lot of credit for that. And uh, the sequence with Natty, you know, that spot she always does where she runs off of Becky's uh, back and she's supposed to come forward with, like, a running basement dropkick. Uh, Becky sort of was supposed to catch this and transition into a sharpshooter it just looked weird it was still cool that becky got to put in a sharpshooter but i i felt like the move itself looked kind of weird you know what i mean yeah that looked like it was gonna take that, that looked like one of the moves where that sequence was gonna be so odd it wasn't gonna be surprising if something went wrong yeah so like it's, it's kind of the same thing with uh, the finish at mania just to do a move at that angle and go for that kind of a combination, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed it's going to come out smooth. It's not even the, either either competitor's fault. It's just a weird move, kind of a weird angle. Yeah, 
that's exactly how I felt about it. But, uh, you know, overall, we got what we wanted from this match. I thought it was really cool. And uh, no complaints here. Natty's great to work with. Nice, hard-hitting shots during the entire thing. Oh, yeah, they beat the shit out of each other. Becky almost got tapped. Like, Becky was in that sharpshooter for a long time. Longer than I've seen anybody in a while, I think. Yeah, I like the way they played with having each other's finishers and, and uh, submissions and stuff for a while there. You know, kept the crowd invested, too. Really good stuff. And there's another one where we have a posting here that they put up of Natty, which will link you guys in the chat if you're listening on demand. Becky Lynch, you said you were going to retain your Raw Women's Championship here in Toronto, and you did just that. Not just that, but used the sharpshooter on a heart in Canada. What kind of statement were you hoping to make out there? Anything you can do, I can do better. Um, and okay, I didn't win with that, but I, I, I'm not just a one-trick pony. I'm not just a two-trick pony. I'm not just a three-trick pony. I'm not just a 4,000-trick pony. I can do it all. And I said that I would, and I did, and I proved that tonight. Do you feel like Canada's new hero? I am Canada's new hero, and I think the people appreciated that tonight. Uh, like I said, Nighty's been letting Canada down her whole career. Tonight was no different. Congratulations. Yo, Becky is the definition of a tweener. Like, she's shit on Canada so hard, but it's showing up getting a pop the next time we stick her up on TV again. Yeah, that Canada's new hero stuff, though. That's kind of interesting. Did Canada say that? Who knows? Let's be real. It's the man. Canada, go for it. And the next comes, I think, what was it yesterday? I think it was, this is your favorite match next, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, match of the night. Yeah. <laughs> Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. God help us. Yeah, some people were not happy that this was a match. Besides you, you were like one of the only people I could find who was looking forward to this. So. <laughs> if that's looking forward to it, I hate seeing people who hate it. <laughs> yeah. Voting results come in with Goldberg 67%, Dolph Ziggler 22%, DQ no contest 11%. Finish being the crowd. Pops hard for two super kicks. Ziggler's charging up the third. And then Ziggler ends up getting speared and jackhammered. Not only was that the finish, but they give you a two-for-one because that was also the whole match. <laughs> and then we had shenanigans because I guess Dolph Ziggler thought this was 2002 in a ladder match with The Undertaker talking about some, I'm still standing! You hear me? I was like, oh my gosh, shut up. That's what it was, right? It reminded me of that, except that... Uh, except, you know, it, he, except it wasn't like dramatic. It was just like, dude, stop it. I want him off my screen. All right? <laughs> You're making this worse. You're drawing it out. Yeah, no, it, it, it really wasn't what anybody had wanted. Um, yeah, because Ziggler calls Goldberg back from the top of the ramp and then Goldberg comes back down the ramp and spears him. And then Ziggler gets back up and he's like, you still haven't defeated me. And he spears him again. And then, uh, Goldberg leaves. And then this time he's completely gone. And like Ziggler gets back and talks more shit and his music hits. He comes back again and, uh, it looks like he was going to do, like, the Undertaker, Jeff Hardy thing, just help him to his feet. But no, then he hits both ropes and, like, nails him with, like, a super spear. So, yeah, there's opposing views on this match. There's, of course, your view where you hated that whole thing. You could just erase it off the pay-per-view and you wouldn't care. And then there are people, like, even Mark in the chat room who mentioned that, uh, you know, it's an old school. I don't remember what. What did he say again? It was something along the lines of, like storytelling, like an old school nostalgia pop or something like that. And, yeah, like it's a nostalgia pop. That's more or less, you're paraphrasing what he said, but he was more or less saying that people, that this isn't, he, he was saying that it's not changing the formula of what wrestling is and that they did it for the nostalgia pop. Again, paraphrasing, because he put like a paragraph of reasons defending this. Um, 
I don't think either one of you are really wrong. You know what I mean? It didn't bother me. If I had to review this, if you asked me, if you brought that segment to me and said, hey, Rick, what do you think of this? I would say, all right, it was okay. It was cool. You know, I didn't dislike it. But that's, again, taking it out of context of whether do I think it should exist or do or if this was my pay-per-view, would I have a segment like that? Could I live without it? Sure. I don't I don't agree with uh, I don't need to see Goldberg and I don't really give a crap about seeing Goldberg overpower Ziggler or any of it. I don't I'm not really a big Goldberg fan. You know, we've always known that I prefer to see more technical wrestling, better drawn out matches. And most importantly, people of the current generation that are traveling with the company 24 seven, not not all these kind of situations. But it's uh, it's still if if someone was a Goldberg fan, which let's be real, there are Goldberg fans. And if you were going to present Goldberg within the WWE lore in a positive way and use him in a believable manner. That would be the way to do it. It wouldn't be in a match against The Undertaker where he barely knows what to do and the guy who does know what to do is is out of shape and old. That wouldn't be the way to do it. It wouldn't be in a match where people are going to make him look stupid. That's what Goldberg's known for. What Goldberg did is what he's known for. He's known for being that guy that comes out and does that spear and does that thing and he's just a tough, invincible guy. And he got to showcase that. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of any of the things he's doing, but I'm saying psychology, wrestling psychology-wise, it makes the most sense to me that they did it the way that they did. You know, again, if you're going to see Goldberg, if you're going to have Goldberg, then why wouldn't that be the way that you have Goldberg? Yeah, definitely a good point there. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean you have to like it. But, I mean, what would you have rather him had? Like a big match? Would you have rather him have wrestled somebody? And if he was going to wrestle someone, who would you have rather have seen him wrestle? Drew McIntyre? Bobby Lashley if he wasn't injured? Would you like to see him have a match with Dolph Ziggler? Where Ziggler's trying to bump around and do all his shit and Goldberg's barely able to keep up or understand what the fuck the cues are or how to, how to do anything. No, you're not going to want that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the fans that want Goldberg and the fans he does have know him for that nonsense, for the spear and jackhammer and just being invincible. They don't know him for having these big drawn out wrestling matches that you'd expect. So this is a win-win because the people who enjoy Goldberg got him the way that he was supposed to be used in the first damn place and you know again if it was me and you asked me would you have this in SummerSlam or something else I'd immediately say something else but if Goldberg's on the menu that's how I would serve him that's all I'm saying so I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here I'm just saying that like that's how you use Goldberg if you got Goldberg if you're a wrestling company not just WWE but if you're any wrestling company anywhere in the future and you have Goldberg because, you know, you get, you're going to get what you have, you know, use them like that. That's how you use Goldberg. That's lesson. That's a good, you know, Goldberg for dummies lesson in what they did tonight. That's how you would use Goldberg <laughs> if you had him in your company. If you and I, Destin, opened up our own wrestling company tomorrow and we had a bunch of guys that we really liked. They were like indie guys and stuff and Goldberg. We wouldn't not use Goldberg because he's a big draw. The problem would be we wouldn't want our indie guys in our technical matches to get all screwed up because Goldberg's in them. So we'd probably sacrifice someone who's like a bump machine to have like a little Goldberg segment. I think that's what you do, you know, and then everyone who came and paid tickets for the Goldberg part gets their money's worth, you know, so I really don't have a complaint with it. And as a segment, again, if you ask me, what did I think of it? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I got to see Ziggler get speared a bunch of times and get jackhammered. That's that's wrestling, man. That's what it's all about. You know, I will say Ziggler sold the bejesus out of that spear, though. Yeah, so I can't that, complain about that. About that I actually did enjoy. You know, like it's it was their choice to use again. Again, I've always said this about movies too, and about anything creatively. When I complain or or rate stuff, I never rate it based on what I think should happen. 
or I try not to at least. I try to go by more what they did correctly. They intended to use Goldberg. That's not he didn't accidentally show up there. Their plan was to use Goldberg efficiently, and they succeeded at it. So, you know, whether or not you creatively agree with them doing that, they they pulled it off. That's what that's the way it was supposed to work, and it did. And they used Ziggler and they got him over and, you know, good for them. They even swerved uh, the dirt sheets and all of us because they made us think that they had problems with Goldberg, that there was heat there and that he wasn't going to be back. So I think that they did everything that a wrestling company is supposed to do in this situation. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. You know, but I could definitely see why you, like a, a fan who watches regularly uh, and is invested in the product and wrestling as a whole, would not want to see Goldberg if you could have anything else there. But... You are yeah. going to have fans like Mark who they don't mind tuning in, who Mark's a much older guy. He he remembers the, the, the old days of wrestling and the way certain things were and, and does value, even though I would say Goldberg's a poor example of that, but he does like that kind of booking, you know, just a segment with a person like that. It's not unheard of. Oh, yeah, definitely um, not. I mean, and, and, whole and, thing. And, and Squire said, how could it be a nostalgia pop if he was there not too long? I don't think the nostalgia pop will be the pop for him being there not too long ago so much as when he says a nostalgia pop, more like, the way that the segment was booked was very a very old school kind of segment, almost like a Kane and Pete Rose type deal. Unfortunately, the point is it was just to get a pop. You know, it was a it was nostalgically booked to get a pop. Yeah, I think my only issue with has ever been like with everything going on in the wrestling world, nostalgia pops aren't going to help them. And the problem is. If you're looking at a situation where it's a Goldberg, where we know we're not going to see him next week, maybe not even next month, and then let's say they book Ziggler in some kind of a title feud or anything, I can't even enjoy it because I just watch him get rammed through in sixty seconds. The whole issue, I, I, the whole issue I've ever had with it is just the fact that it's like, you know, like we we usually think pretty long term here. That's a damaging thing long term. I thought about that when I was watching it, but then I had to ask myself, are they really going to book Ziggler into some sort of a title? Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, Ziggler, are they going to do anything relevant with him? What would have been the alternative to him doing this? Being in another workhorse match that led to nothing or just seeing the same thing we see every week? Like, did anything really get hurt from this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ziggler's definitely a bad example of it. But like a case like, for example, when he beat Kevin Owens, it was like, where where are you telling me Owens is going from there? Because it, it, I think it does. I think that's one of the other things that bothered me. I was like, we've seen Ziggler have these almost hour long wars, just to watch him get ran through in sixty seconds. And I was like, and it's just, and it's just literally like Ziggler's going to be here this week. Goldberg's going to be long gone. So I'm like, I definitely understand the nostalgia pop, but I'm just like, is nostalgia pops what they really need right now, or do they need some of the stuff like we got last night? Square, so you can't break a broken toy as an example for Ziggler. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I try. mean. It's kind of like the Goldberg thing, even if you don't like it, like that's what they were going for. And Ziggler, I don't even know what would he have done. What would he, it's not like there's something else that he would have been doing that day. You know, yeah. like what would he have been too busy? Was he in a feud? I can't even remember the last thing he was doing. He was, t- he was telling Kofi that it should have been him. So guess what? They made it him. <laughs> You know what the sad part about is? It's so hard to get mad at when you think about it. It's like, it's fucking Ziggler. Like, oh, God. It should have been him. Well, guess what? Now now it's him. Oh, God. You, know, yeah. you really got to look at it that way. And, and as far now, as Goldberg, now you're going to show up on Monday. It should have been you. Yeah, and as far as the Goldberg thing goes, um, I don't know. Like, what what happens now is who's next? 
Exactly. That's, that's, where, that's where my whole issue comes with, like, a lot of these guys coming back. And it's just like with Goldberg, it's literally just going to be like, who's next? Who doesn't have anything to do for this pay-per-view? That guy? All right, he's next. Who's next um, for the Halloween, the, the, the Crown Jewel Halloween special? You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> That to me, that's I, the one that I'm that I'm really looking forward to is the is the Crown I mean, Jewel Halloween. We're, we're, we're gonna get into it with the main event, but it's just kind of funny to see that Brock and a Bear Knight to Goldberg. Like I was thinking, oh God, Brock and Goldberg on the same crowd again. I'm just like, oh well, Brock's here. This was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, like I said, I I know you guys. There was you guys almost had heat with each other over this damn thing, and I was just thinking, yeah, oh, it uh see. <laughs> And the main reason it comes from, I don't mind somebody having an opposing opinion, but don't come at me like I'm crazy. Like, don't come at me like I'm not, like I'm just supposed to be okay with these old guys just coming through and running through the current. Because that's not fixed in anything. I mean, it's like, I'm one of those key, I'm you've seen before with me, I'm always willing to agree to disagree. It's not a problem at all. But just understand I'm not full of shit, okay? I'm not reading the internet or anything like that. I've never liked the man. And I've had reasons to never like the man. If you have reasons to like him, cool. But don't come at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people... There's a lot of years of logic here. Like this. There are people that aren't, aren't um, Goldberg fans. It's yeah. like, I don't know when that became so weird. <laughs> Goldberg versus the Yeti! Oh God! You know what? I'd watch it. <laughs> oh God! I don't know. I just think being like, I guess you would almost call it like a smart fan, like because most of us are. I can see that they're trying to make us see like the old Goldberg from WCW. Just the fact that I know that Goldberg no longer exists, I can't even try. I can't even get into it like I used to. And then when you see stuff like happen, like what happened with Taker. And I'm like, dude, that's you, not safe. That's you dangerous. Know what? That was always that Goldberg. It's not that that old Goldberg doesn't exist. This is to, this, I've always seen this Goldberg. I just think not everybody else does. Like, yeah, he, that's always been what he is. But that's the point. Oh, yeah. WCW, as much as people say, you know, bad stuff about that company when they were on point, they protected that man. To oh, yeah. They, they were able to cover it up. They Amazing. protected him to a point where he has a following now that defends him being a good wrestler. When you know, anyone who objectively watches wrestling understands that the man isn't comfortable in the ring and isn't good. But think about the fact that you were able to grow up not knowing that because WCW was smart about the way they booked him. They showed him doing exactly what he did tonight. It was WWE who really exposed Goldberg because in his first run here, they just basically made him the way they make everybody else. And he wasn't good at being that way. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah. That's probably one of the smart. that's probably one of the best things WCW was ever able to do was to cover all that up. Because when he showed up, even before WWE, when you had that match with Regal, it was shocking because it was like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, Goldberg. Oh, we have a Goldberg thing here. I didn't realize this. So, there was a Matt Riddle and Goldberg encounter each other backstage. Why is there, is there going to be a follow-up to the storyline? Like, is this, is, is this really going to happen? Right, I'm, anyway. I'm afraid. Oh, Don't do William, it. I'm walking by and I see his locker room. I've already seen Brock's, but I see Goldberg's locker room. And I'm like, I'm trying to get a peek. And I'm looking, I'm looking. All of a sudden, pow! Big shoulder, 300 pounds at least. I look up, 
It's Bill Goldberg. I'm like, Bill Goldberg. He goes, oh, we got some talking to do. And I'm like, well, we can talk anytime, bro. He's like, yeah? And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, and I was like, all right, bro. Well, anytime. He's like, I'm not your bro. And I'm like, all right, bro. Like, take it easy. Whatever. And then he's like, yeah, we'll see. I'll see you later. And I was like, and hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. I go, the pleasure was all mine, bro. And then he goes, I'm not your bro. And then I walked away and I had to, I had to come here. Oh, that guy. Y'all, he didn't say he was next, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll it'll happen in the future to your dismay. Oh, God. We're been rolling hot. Don't do that. You stop that right now. You stop it right now. So next up, we have the WWE United States title match. AJ Styles defending against Ricochet. You got to roll the R, right? Ricochet. Ricochet. Uh, voting, Lucha Lucha. Yeah, voting results coming with Ricochet at 56%. AJ Styles, 33%. Uh, DQ no contest at 11%. The finish is uh, AJ winds up catching Ricochet out of the Phoenix Splash into a Styles Clash. I think I've seen him do that. I think he did that against Abushi in Japan. It's possible. It's definitely possible. A side note here is Truth and Carmella on commentary in disguise was pretty funny. They were like British. It caught me off guard. And for the first few seconds, my mind hadn't made peace the way I was seeing. I was like, those commentaries look weird. Oh. <laughs> I like how they keep like, the, like, the when, gag Like, if you running. glance over her, Carmella made a really convincing dude for a second. Like, yeah, I like that they keep the jokes running. See, that's how you're supposed to do it. You see, you could tell that things are different. It's not perfect, but I'm just saying you can see that certain things are made to be entertaining. A uh, very nice Nightwing gear on Ricochet. I thought that was solid. Yeah, I thought that was Nightwing. Like it looked familiar. Like, but yeah, it is a full body suit as well, which I've never seen him do before. Yeah, it looks good. You know, I'm surprised they they allowed him because you know how how they are about worrying about copyrights and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I thought it looked excellent on him. Good for uh-huh. him. Absolutely fantastic. You know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you for the follow. Austin 2001. Thank you for the follow, sir. So, uh, Ricochet, I liked when he stepped off of Gallows and Anderson's shoulders. He sort of used them as steps into a Hurricane Rana on the outside on AJ. I thought that was really cool. Uh, also, his one-legged springboard into the elbow on Styles inside of the ring and uh running up the side of the corner moonsaulting onto anderson i thought was solid you know all of all of the ricochet stuff went all the corn yeah. ricochet stuff here and went it, afterwards uh, you go ahead it's always crazy to think like when you really look at it, ricochet is only limited by his imagination because half that stuff you see him do you can tell before he started doing it he just kind of imagines it in his head and then lets his body do the rest yeah exactly and uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was really well done. I think that uh, all of the stuff that he did was really cool. And uh, after the match, Gallows and Anderson wind up uh, hitting him with the magic killer. I guess they're going to keep the feud going. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe Ricochet gets him a little crew himself. Yeah, you think so? Get some sort of revenge. I mean, <laughs> at this point, like, he needs to because he can't deal with all three of them by himself. Yeah, no, he definitely can. Um, but I don't know. I don't know exactly who who would his crew consist of. See, that's the hard part. <laughs> because you it would have to be I mean, with that wild card rule, well, I guess if it still even exists, he could 
called on Alistair Black because they have history together. But then he'd still need to find one other person. And that'd be kind of the trick. Isn't it interesting? We didn't talk about that. I think this was during the kickoff, but the fact that uh, AJ Styles and uh, the OC run into Finn Balor and they sort of offer to help him. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how much help they would have done, but (laughs) they offered. Yeah, but I kind of like that because, you know, it's never really acknowledged that Finn Balor was like the founder of that little group. And I like the fact that there was the tease there. Exactly. You know, about, about maybe something will happen. I mean, if what I heard was correct, Balor's taken a couple of months off to get married. So, I mean, maybe he come, that's enough time to justify, like, some kind of maybe a turn or something. So maybe uh, Ricochet evens the odds, but then, hey, here comes Balor, and the odds aren't even anymore. Well, this is AJ Styles after the match here. Yeah, I appreciate AJ. That. What, what? Over the past few months, anyway, we've seen a I lot of victories being traded back and forth awesome. between you and Ricochet. We've Would seen you, you guys talking back and forth, but tonight you successfully defended your title against <laughs> yeah. Ricochet for the United States Championship. Sure. Does this mean you definitively are the better of the two? Sure. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Oh, really? She Please. doesn't know the answer to this question already? Come well, on. Ricochet would still say no, I'm sure. Charlie. Oh, well, we can't even talk right now. Right. He, we'll have him limp over here yeah, and tell you that. Right? Internally, I'm uh, sure I don't think it. it's going to happen. He's probably sitting on a gurney somewhere yeah. having someone look at his knee. Okay? Yeah. You know why? Because I'm better than him. I'm smarter than him. I've been in the biz longer than him. Oh, I'm a heartthrob. Keep going. I am a cow Keep going. boy. <laughs> He's a cow boy, baby. Okay, John Cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Bon Jovi. Never mind. Shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aid is one of those guys that works as a baby face and, and as a heel. Yeah. He's a little bit more funny when he's a heel. Like, mm-hmm. So, that's, that's where, like, the sense of humor kicks in, but... Yeah. Interesting things to come, definitely, with those guys. And uh, next up, we had the WWE SmackDown Women's title match with Bailey defending against Ember Moon. Voting results coming in with 80% of you saying Bailey's going to retain this. And 10% of you saying that Ember's going to win it. And 10% of you saying no contest. So Ember tied with no contest. Finish being Bailey goes over with an avalanche Bailey to belly. I've never seen her throw somebody from that high up. That looked like the worst ride. <laughs> yeah. Bailey meant business. Yeah. Vicious tonight. Like. Yeah. Can't mess with her. And, uh, she had that, I don't know, both you and Squires, you weren't fans of that inverted Boston Crab, huh? What's wrong with it? See, I, it's not that I hate the move. It just doesn't look convincing to me. It's something about it where it just looks like, why would that hurt as much as they're making it look like it hurts? I've never really liked that move. Just like, it, it, it's like, I can't suspend my my disbelief enough with that move. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta go back and look. I didn't mind it, man. You know. Mm-hmm. It's one of the rare times I'm a little bit picky when it comes to certain moves, but it's just like it's that one that I'm kind of like, eh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what made a lot of this match for me was Amber. A lot of Amber's offense looks really good. Her strikes, the sound that her strikes makes is really convincing. You know, overall, just her, um, Amber really looks good on the main roster. You know, oh, yeah, they're, they're, once they finally started to cut her loose, you can see how good she can be, which we've seen during NXT, like... The girl, the girl can go if you let her. Yeah, yeah, she absolutely can. And uh, we also have Bailey over here. They put a posting up of her, which we can check out. Bailey can. 
Congratulations on retaining your SmackDown Women's Championship here at SummerSlam. Now, I see you're kind of leaning over a little bit like you're injured. How are you feeling? Definitely not injured, okay? <laughs> I'm definitely very sore. <laughs> Ember Moon is too athletic for her own good. She's too athletic for me. Uh, she's also very strong. So that's two things that I knew going into it. And, like, one of the reasons I picked her, because it's been a while since, like, Asuka that I've wrestled somebody like Ember. Uh, she's very different. Um, I, I feel uh, just happy that I was able to hold on to this. I was a little scared towards the end um, because she is so quick. Um, I, I don't even know. My ribs hurt a little. I think... Uh, she did it on purpose. Like, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, you've proven over the last few months, you know, that you are deserving as to be a champion, to be a title holder, you know, from uh, being victorious in a 201 handicap match at Extreme Rules to winning the women's ladder match at Money in the Bank and, of course, retaining tonight. So how do you plan on keeping this momentum pushing forward? Trusting the universe. It's kind of where I've been for a, a little bit, just... Uh, so how, how things have changed since I've come from Raw. I would have never expected to have just wrestled on my first SummerSlam against Ember Moon, of all people. You know, we've never had a match before in NXT or nothing. So uh, I would have never expected to be right, right here where I am. Um, <clears throat> but I trust the universe to take me where I'm supposed to be, where I need to be. And uh, I'm just enjoying, enjoying it and wanting to push everybody. It's all I really want. I just say it all the time and it, I swear it's coming from the heart just want this to be as magical as it is for me for everybody else well, thank you and again congratulations Bailey yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> she has to work on her mic man damn <laughs> like come on Bailey's so bad on the mic fuck yeah, wait, wait, wait. Get her mouthpiece. <laughs> yeah like oh, here, Jesus. I don't know what a heel turn might do her well you know then you have an excuse to give her a mouthpiece. You know, <laughs> give her that or actually give her a physical mouthpiece like the one Kyle O'Reilly wears. Oh, no. <laughs> she's, trying, she's, she's trying to talk through the mouthpiece like fucking Nakamura used to do. <laughs> was it Nakamura or was it Rusev, yeah, one of them? It, no, yeah, oh, yeah Nakamura it, did that like, when he announced that last man standing match, he did it, but didn't take the mouthpiece out. Oh, man. I think I almost kind of sold it a little bit better. I don't know why, but... No, always take your damn mouthpiece out. Good God, you know. But uh, after this, we had Kevin Owens against Shane O'Mac, right? Here comes the sweaty. Here comes the sweaty. Is he always sweaty? It, it seems like it only takes like 30 seconds in the match, and he's already fucking dripping like a R. Kelly video. Like it's a, Don't ask me why I went straight to R. Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's like a weird place to go, man. I think I was thinking Chappelle's show. That might be what it was. Even then, it didn't help, but still. So, 92% of you thought Kevin Owens was going over. 8% of you thought Shane was going over to finish his Owens basically is holding up a chair to take out Shane. And the ref talks him out of it. And while handing the ref the chair, Owens winds up kicking Shane in the balls when the ref is getting the chair out of the ring. Winds up nailing him with the stunner for the win. Oh, now kill this best in the world shit. Kill it, let it die. No more best in the world for you? Not even a little bit? Not even the tip. That would have been another good name if this would have been like an official episode. I mean, fuck it. I'll, I'll lock it down for next week. <laughs> Not even the tip. Not even the tip. I don't care. I'll use poster on the platform. I don't care. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, I mean, for God's sakes, Kevin was home. 
which I don't know why I'd forgotten until right before he came out. And I was like, wait a minute, Kevin's in his home stunt in his home country. Yeah, pretty much. And you can always tell he gets I, I've, I've never seen somebody where you can literally see the chills. Like when Kevin Owens comes out for anything, whether it was his first WrestleMania, his first time in NXT tonight when he came home. Like, very few superstars can really reflect the emotion of the crowd like uh, Kevin Owens can. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. And I liked him hitting the senton and then going back up for the frog splash. I like that little sequence there. Yeah, I've Um, never seen him double up like that. I don't think he has before. Yeah, there was a lot of Elias breaking the count, like for that for that spot specifically. Actually, he went to breaking the spot, and, um, breaking the count, and then also for the sit out power bomb, uh, he does it there too. Um, Owens winds up taking out him and the other officials, I believe, with his cannonball right on the outside. Yeah. So there's a, so there's a bit of uh, screwing around during this match and stuff. It all worked together well, and I thought that it was cool that uh, Owens maintains his anti hero status, but at the end of the day, he goes over with some sort of cunning tactics. Oh yeah, he, he he outsmarted him, <laughs> and I mean, forgotten way old on Elias. Like I think he bent the chair over Elias's back. Yeah, yeah, there was there was definitely like I said, good stuff. You know, very good storytelling here. And, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, there's another one that we have Owens afterwards. They post that we're gonna check out. Kevin Owens, Toronto was on their feet tonight. You were victorious over Shane McMahon, and that means your career is still intact. Was there any moment during that match that you thought that you wouldn't get it done? You know, I'm, um, I feel like I always know what to say, and I feel like I have a pretty good handle on communicating how I feel and stuff like that. But um, right now it's a little bit difficult because this weekend, this whole week really has been so, man, I don't know, Detroit last Tuesday night, Shane McMahon, beat the hell out of me and my wife and my parents they're used to seeing me do this they've been they've seen me done do this for almost 20 years now but the fact that both of them texted me after asking how i was feeling it looked really bad is your head okay all kinds of stuff like that it started off rough you know what i mean and then they were worried about tonight and they're all in the crowd my wife my kids my parents some family friends my in-laws were there so I, I got to do this in front of them. And I'm not sure exactly how they felt when they saw Elias come out, when they saw Shane announce the special enforce, all that crap. I'm sure they felt almost as bad as I did. But the fact that, I don't know, I, I don't know if them being in the crowd helped. I'm sure it did, actually. I know that it did. I overcame all that, and I had the support of the entire arena. I don't know how to put it. It felt great, but it's beyond that this week. As we were going around Toronto, talking to people about SummerSlam. I missed WrestleMania this year, and that was really hard. This week for me was like WrestleMania because it was in Toronto, SummerSlam. Everybody I love was here. I got to see people like Edge and Christian and Bret Hart and Trish Stratus, like Canadians that paved the way for guys like me to come in and do this. I got to chat with them. I got to see William Regal again, who I hadn't seen in years, and he's a big reason why I ended up in WWE. And uh, tonight I got to beat Shane McMahon in front of my entire family, everybody I love, and in front of a crowd who cares as much about WWE as I do. That's why they were that loud, because they know what's best for business, and they are screaming, dying to let them know what's best for business, and that's not Shane McMahon. I don't know. I don't know what else I can say. Tonight felt like a, a team effort. 
It wasn't just me versus Shane McMahon. It was me, my family, people who paved the way before me, and, man, 16, 17,000 other people in this building. Career still intact. Maybe Elias is going to learn he made a mistake tonight. Yeah, he's lucky I enjoy his singing because I'd probably be a lot rougher than I will be, but he's got something coming too. Congratulations again. Thank you. I got to go. I got to, my kids start school tomorrow. I got to get them over there. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, freaking Owens, man. But, um... <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, dude was on his A game for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All good stuff, you know. Um, it's funny to see someone who started like in Ring of Honor and in the Indies and stuff, and they're like one of the main people that WWE features currently. Exactly. This is a guy we used to watch kill himself in some of the craziest matches with like him and Sami Zayn back in the day. And yeah, it, it's true like hero story. Like the dude has been absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. So we have a singles match next. Charlotte Flair going up against Hall of Famer Trish Stratus herself with the yeah. voting results coming in with Charlotte at 60%, Trish at 40%, finish being Trish taps to the figure eight. What are your thoughts on this match? You know, we said, I think we said it on Monday for her age. Does she move slow? Yeah, she was moving slow tonight. But Trish still moves all right. I mean, you could definitely see the age in her movements, but it wasn't to the point where it w- where it was ruining the match for me. They definitely had um, quite the good exchanges. I love Charlotte's trash talking. Charlotte talks so much shit in matches, and it's so entertaining because like, she sells you on that character like it's like it's, like it's nobody's business. I like them kind of like um, tri- well, it was one of Trish's old favorite moves when she would hit bo- multiple chops, and then she'd lick her hand for the last one. I was almost expecting to hear it more. Yeah. It's but then okay again, when, like, it's, it's okay when she licks her hand. It's just Vince doesn't like when Mickey James licks her hand. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we go into uncharted territory there, huh? Yeah, see, huh? See, 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 now Mickey licks, Mickey gets suspended. Trish licks. Nah, we good. But yeah, um, yeah. I, it, and, it almost uh, scared me when um, she went for, I think it was the stratosphere, that hurricanrana, that, um, that handstand hurricanrana. And Charlotte lifted her up into the power bomb, and I'm sitting there like, no way she's taking a power bomb from that high up. Yeah, no, that was some crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, Trish obviously she gave the rub, which um, you know, we actually have something here. We're gonna talk about the match, but I want you guys to check this out. This is Trish post match. Trish, obviously not exactly the outcome you may have hoped for, but wow, what an emotional response! What emotions are you feeling right now? Um. Uh, you know, I this kind of was going to be a like a comeback match. Also, was, was calling it because was training, getting ready for a big comeback match, and as everything set in, and um, there was a certain finality to everything, and it just became clear that it was a farewell match. And so, definitely, you know, emotions set in at that point. But um, like, just I'm so honored to, to have been able to go in there with Charlotte Flair. I mean, honestly, an honor and a privilege to be in there with 
an athlete of her caliber. And, um, I, you know, I'm thankful that the, the girls let me sort of put, dip my toe into the waters of today. And just, um, you know, gosh, we, we definitely feel like the girls of before we, we laid the platform, but boy, God, they, they, they build a, a skyscraper. <laughs> well- well, I know leading up to the mats, there were some competitive words nationally between you and Charlotte Flair, but I'm sure after this you have even more massive respect for the queen. And um, I'm sure you have advice and words of wisdom to the women who are following in your footsteps. Well, I guess um, I'll tell you that the, uh, the itch never dies. Uh, I think only a handful of people in this world can do what we do out there. So a bunch of special people for sure. Um, I'm honored to be one of those people that has that. It's just going to be with me forever. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're lucky. The fans are so amazing. Um, they've supported me like I've been re- retired for how many years now and they're still out there supporting me. Um, it's just, we should all feel blessed to do what we do out here. It's an amazing place to live your passions out and just, uh, and go out there and influence and impact so many people. Well, you did it, and you were amazing. I know everyone's proud of you here in Toronto, especially this is your home. So what's next? You know, you go uh, pick up the kids. <laughs> kids are sleeping, I hope. I hope mom's done. Give them a big hug, though. <laughs> no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sleep on my bed, and that is, like, one of the greatest gifts that a wrestler could ever have. <laughs> Just thank you to, like, Toronto. Thank you to you. Hell of a job, girl. And, uh, yeah, and it's cool to come back and, like, you know, as the grizzled bit. <laughs> and, uh, and just, you know, see how great everyone's doing and see the passion back here. It's a lot of fun. And to do it in my hometown was amazing to see my fans, my friends and family in the home, in the front row, my fans everywhere in the six. It was, uh, amazing. Well, thank you so much. And it was great to have you back. <laughs> thank you. Well, it was good to have her back. Yeah. And, uh, I like the step bump she took where she got tripped there. She went to taking, like, what looked Ooh, like really rough. Yeah, she takes like a freaking nasty looking step bump. I thought she really hit her face on those steps. Yeah, I was. I found myself looking at her face afterwards. Like, is she going to be okay there? Right, um, like I was checking for blood. Like, I had my gloves on and everything. I was ready. Like, no. But, um, yeah. yeah. She she bumps fearlessly. That's something that hasn't changed. And I and I personally didn't find, um, I know a couple of you guys mentioned slowed on. I, per- I, I didn't personally notice in this particular match. I've seen in the past. But she looked fine to me tonight. Though. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a drastic one, but it was enough to where I noticed it. Yeah. I, I noticed her moving not as fast as she used to, but it wasn't like it was a drastic thing. Like you would just see it with the naked eye. Like you had to be really paying attention to see it. Yeah, maybe I have to go back and watch because when when it was mentioned, I, I started looking for it and I, I honestly didn't notice it. Yeah, and like I say, it it was so it was so little. But at least for me, it was something where I noticed it. But now she was moving great. Like she, it, it's kind of funny to think that she's been in the business this long. In 2019, she still looked as good as she did. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the bumps again. Going back to the bumps, like the nasty bump that she took from Charlotte, where Charlotte hits her with the big boot and she falls to the outside. Like literally, didn't brace her fall at all. You know, I thought that was impressive. Uh, I, I didn't think she was gonna stop falling. She fell so far. Yeah, that was a good looking spot there. Trish's top rope Hurricane Rana. Um you know Trish at Trish got in a solid figure eight. Yeah, hers almost looks better. It looked good. Said, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, she, she just couldn't hold it, but it's like it looked good. Yeah, unfortunately her um the her stratisfaction, um I mean, she hits it with a lot of help from Charlotte. Charlotte practically carries her through the through the move it still looked good but uh if you go back and look at it charlotte put a lot of effort into making sure that that satisfaction that satisfaction looked really good you know oh yeah yeah she she needed help with it but i mean it is what it is though yeah yeah 
And also we got Charlotte post-match that they got up here, so I'm going to link you to that if you're listening on the match. Charlotte, here it leading is. up to tonight's match at SummerSlam was really a war of words between yourself and Trish Stratus, but you back up those words with a victory here in Toronto, Canada. Every single person in the arena on their feet. Um, how important was that victory for you? I don't, I don't, it doesn't get any bigger than that. I mean, like the women today in my, of my generation grew up not, I mean, she's wanting to be Trish Stratus and Lita and do what they did because, you know, they main evented Raw, but like the real hero of tonight was the mom with two kids at home and the full career who has been gone for what 10 years no she's the real winner and the hero and i hope our match the bigger message is to women that it doesn't matter if you're a mom or you've been out of the game or you've done like you can shine and you're a superstar and you're larger than life and you're the hero because like she said a mom is a label above queen so that's what tonight meant to me um but uh I'm still going to say I'm legitimately the greatest athlete in the WWE. <laughs> no, but no, that's what that means to me. And, um, I'm just, I'm honored and I think I need to like soak it in. That like to me felt bigger than WrestleMania. I'm wrestling Trish Stratus, you know? I just hope I was everything in there that she saw in me to come back to want to face me. Very humble, always very hum- humble young woman. Like it's crazy to think that the girl I saw sitting front row when Rich Player wrestled his first TLC match. Just wrestled Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. Yeah, that is something else. Um, very well put together stuff. Alright, well, next up was the WWE Championship with Kofi Kingston defending against Randy Orton. With the voting results coming in with 60% of you believing Randy Orton's gonna, well, Kofi Kingston is gonna take it and 30% of you believing Randy Orton will become the new champion with 10% of you going with no contest. And I guess it counts. It was a fucking count out, right? Yeah. 10% got it. The 10% who would have thought, huh? 10% got it. You though. know what's so crazy? I forgotten that the ref was counting. I was so focused on what was going on. I wasn't paying attention to the ref counting at all. So when the bell rang, I was like, what happened? I was like, oh, I'm counting out. It's kind of silly, don't you think? Yeah, this this should have had a definitive finish, no matter who won. Like, okay, you're going to move the feud on, but no, you can no, still no, just no, have no, somebody no. win. Not, no, not you move the feud on anyway. Yeah. But it was a waste. They couldn't give Kofi Kingston that W over Randy Orton finally, and it'd be at a big place like SummerSlam. Like, he couldn't have given him that rub. I don't want to hear that the feud's going to go on and that now what? A, a backlash or what the hell is the next nonsense? Some other thing that's not as relevant as, as SummerSlam is, is going to be where he gets his, uh, his win back. Cause yeah, sure, you, they you, could do that. But it once again now just feels like they had him fall short, even as the champion of what he should have gotten, which was a clean win over Randy Orton. That's what the exactly. storyline was leading into. How you, you don't, you don't need a count out to make that to make that feud go. You can just have somebody just get pinned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Especially because we here. know Randy Orton well enough to know Randy ain't good at letting stuff go. Yeah. I have a Kofi thing here I'm trying to queue up that you guys see there. There we go. Things got intensely aggressive out there and at points, sometimes in front of your family, your two sons, um, 
What was going through your head with everything? Well, I mean, Catherine, it's one thing, you know, to have a, a beef with somebody. But once you start involving families in everything, it just takes it to a whole other level. It's family first over everything. Everyone knows how personal this this rivalry between me and Randy has been for the past decade. It's been, you know, just just very intense, you know, especially on my end, like I said in a bunch of different interviews, this is something that I've been looking forward to for a long time, you know. Um, if my family is out there, out here to enjoy the show, you know, my kids are out there to see daddy, you know, see me perform, see me go out there and, and do my job, have a good time, you know, I don't want whoever I'm facing to even look at them. I don't need Randy to, you know, bring his, 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 his sinister attitude or whatever. Don't look in the direction of my wife. Don't look in the direction of any of my kids. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem, you know, over everything, above, above all of this. You know, you start messing with my family, I'm going to have to take it to a whole nother level. So that's, I mean, that's pretty much it, you know. It is what it is. Well, from what we saw there and what you're telling me, it sounds like things aren't over between yourself and Randy Orton. No, I don't think they're definitely, uh, I think they're definitely not over 100% because uh, I, I don't I don't feel satisfied. And again, I'm still kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like like shaking a little bit because I'm, I'm just angry. I'm furious at the fact that he would even, there's a line that you just don't cross. You know what I'm saying? No matter how personal this is between us we all know as as wwe superstars here on the roster there's just a line that you don't cross you know what i'm saying my kids are three and six for him to be out there and you know he's a family man as well you would think right you know what i'm saying he's got a family i would never do that to his family uh to any of his his kids if they were in the crowd when you cross that line it's uh it's a problem you know and, and then on on the flip side of that too what's up man you see he want to eat you know what i'm saying so I'm a, I'll, I'll cut it short on that, you know, but um, it is what it is. But like you said, this between me and Randy is definitely not over. I don't feel satisfied. You heard the crowd. They don't feel satisfied with the result. Ten years of build for it to end like that. Nah, nah, definitely not. It's not over. Yeah, well, they should have still given him the win there and still made it not be over. Exactly. Would have been better, in my opinion, at least. Pretty much everybody's yeah. opinion. And yeah, of course, he got a little bit more of his uh, heat back at the end of the match because of brawl. The, the whole brawl happens with the uh, he winds up giving the candlestick beating to Orton that ends in the trouble in paradise. But again, they should have given him the W over Orton at SummerSlam. He should have been given that rub. Um, it was interesting that the crowd was sort of split at one point where you hear Kofi stupid Randy sucks chance. Um, but the, the exchange between these guys were really good. You know, the catch RKO on Kofi, the tornado DDT. Um, he got so high up in the air, I didn't think it was going to be a catch R- RKO. Because usually they jump more like horizontal towards him. Like, Kofi was pretty high up in the air and got hit with that thing. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Um, but yeah, really good match. I just really wish that, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know what they'll do. What's the next pay-per-view? Um, God, I want to say a Tell in the Cell is next. Hell in a Cell. That's probably the one that's on the 15th of next month. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, it would have been nice for it to be something like SummerSlam. Not trying to downplay any other pay-per-views, but I'm just saying that stuff like SummerSlam is really where it's going to matter the most. Yeah, it's one of the big four, I mean. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're really pushing Kofi as this guy, then what's wrong with doing the the full thing, you know? What's wrong with making him a formidable opponent to Randy Orton with no question? Just have him beat him clean. You know, one's been champion like in double digits, you know, he's like, what? <laughs> exactly. what's it going to hurt? 800 time champion, Randy Orton. 
you know, it's like, oh my god, it was just kind of. It's, I always get a little chuckle every time they do it too. They mentioned that it was in that building where he won his first world championship, and in my head, I'm going, but who did he beat? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was Randy Orton versus Redacted. All right, well, moving along, we now have Finn Balor versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Wow. Wow. Well, voting results say 50% of you say wow. The Fiend Bray Wyatt. (laughs) You stupid. (laughs) 30% of you went with DQ no contest. 20% went with Finn Balor. Uh, The finish being that Finn gets caught out of the air into the mandible claw for three count. Yeah, this was that entrance was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. First of all, the lantern is Bray's head. What? The lantern is his head and he comes out as the fiend. Look, look at it. I'm going to pr- bring it up here. Look at this entrance. stuff right there yeah it's a heavy metal remix of his original thing I was almost sad when the ending was over. When I was the entrance was over. Wow. I mean, they gave us what we asked for. We didn't want just regular old Bray Wyatt. They definitely did not give us regular. Yeah, this is definitely an upgrade. And I mean, Bray is in fantastic shape. Yeah, look at him. Looks like he he's looks in the best, best shape of his life. Dude, he looks amazing. 
And I love that he wrestles with the mask on. Like, what on earth did we just witness? Wow. Oh boy, and the fiend had a. It's kind of funny how like it's kind of I, I only only know if I could call it symbolism, but the demon's first appearance on the main roster was at SummerSlam. And now we have the Fiend's first appearance at SummerSlam. And this was the first time Finn didn't bring the Demon with him. And then with Bray winning, Bray broke Finn Balor's uh, SummerSlam winning streak. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Would that be something that will be a special attraction, him coming out like that? Though, or is he going to always be the Fiend? I feel like, ooh, that's actually really tough because because I mean, it, as cool as that was, if you were to have to see that every single Monday, that would get old really fast. Doesn't matter how cool it is, you know. Yeah, it's it's oh man, because I wouldn't mind seeing it on a pretty regular basis. Which is exactly why they shouldn't give it to you on a pretty regular. Exactly, basis. but that's you the know. problem: is how long would it be before it was like, oh, here comes the fiend? Well, there's one of two things that happens here: either. And it would be very interesting to do this. You'd have to literally keep the character alive through promo alone, through those things that he does, all the way until pay-per-views, and then he comes out. Or B, you would have to do regular Bray Wyatt, the way they do regular Finn Balor. And then in special occasions, he'd be the Fiend, if you don't want it to burn out. Yeah, that. I mean, that would be... You could actually really pull it off like that. Like, he only physically shows up when it's time to wrestle. And then you have the Firefly fun, the, the Firefly Funhouse kind of transition between the two matches. Yeah, I could. Because I mean, it it, it works so well, especially because Bray does such a good job at, at acting as if this fiend is a completely separate person. Yeah, that it could work. I mean, I personally, and I know people wouldn't like this, and it, and it would be strange even for the wrestler as a worker. I personally think it would work if it just kept going exactly how it is, where it's just a funhouse thing every now and then. And then only like on big pay-per-views or on matches like that, he shows up at all. Like not even regular Bray Wyatt, just occasionally The Fiend and that's it. Yeah, definitely. I I could see that. I could see that working pretty well. But I mean... But if they want to keep him full-time, which is what a lot of people nowadays want to be is full-time, then they would have to... uh, They'd have to somehow incorporate him in there without making that intro and that whole thing, which is really long. There's going to be a lot of commercial break versions of that shit. Um, they have to find a way to to fix that. Oh, definitely. I mean, but it was, um, yeah, quite the smash mouth homecoming for Finn started out white hot right away. I mean, immediately trying to get in drop kicks, um, his shotgun drop kicks, sling blades. He threw pretty much everything he could, but it really was all in vain. Scared the hell out of me when um when the fiend neck snapped him though. Yeah. For like a half second, I was like, "Don't tell me he's gonna end the match on neck snap!" Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. but it was um it, it was crazy he, violent. Yeah, it helps. It definitely helps that he lost the weight. You know? Oh yeah, he when he went uh, when he did the the back bend in the corner, I'm sitting there like. It's freaking juice to the gills, Bray Wyatt. Like, this man is swollen. Like, what in the world? Yeah, nah, he's no joke at all, man. Yeah, he looks, he looks, in the, I think it's, I think that's the best shape he's ever been. Hand down, that's the best shape he's ever been in. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that. I don't know what it was that the crowd was chanting at him. I couldn't quite hear it. But you could hear it physically starting to bother him to the point where he just snaps out of it and then just basically ran through Finn. Yeah, I wasn't sure what that was. It was, it was something different. Oh, Squires. <laughs> Very funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the final match of SummerSlam, right? Yep. The headliner. It's the WWE Universal title match. It is Brock Lesnar defending his title against Seth Rollins. With 40% of you thinking this was going to be a no contest. 30% of you thinking it was going to be Brock Lesnar. And 30% of you thinking it was going to be Seth Rollins. With the finish being uh, Rollins countering the F5 into a super kick. Then the blackout, a.k.a. the stomp. Yeah, let's be real. We call that the blackout. We show respect to that move. <laughs> and not only not only a blackout, a third blackout. Because Brock kicked out of the first two. Yeah, keep talking. I'm just showing I'm looking at the footage of him after the after the match. I guess they put celebratory finish. But yeah, what were you saying? But yeah. You know what's so funny? As much as I complain and I whine and I bitch about Brock, Brock came to play at this match. It was not just suplex today. Like, I felt like this was the closest I've seen to, like, 2003 Brock Lesnar in a long time. Yeah, like, he he, he definitely brought his A-game for this. Like, that's what I... See, that's the thing. When it comes to Brock, give me that every time you hear me complain way less. Because Brock did so good in this match. He, he, He had me genuinely invested the entire time. I think, like, just the way he threw, um, <laughs> the spot that almost made me laugh, when he grabbed Rollins by, um, the tape on his ribs and then just spun him around. Yeah. And I'm like, that's some... Na- <laughs> that was rough. Yo! That looked like, it was so not fun, but Seth knew. That, that just looked like one of those spots where it's like, you know he wants to do it and you know he can't talk him out of it. Yeah, and Rollins has never say die attitude. Him landing on his feet from the German suplex and then going from that into the super kick on Brock. That it was, was kind really of crazy. It was kind know? of funny because Squire almost Squires read my mind in the chat room when he when he went for the third uh, German and then didn't count on that. Squires was like he ran out of reversals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was he reversals. the first two, but then the third one. Oh shit, he's out. Yeah, and also the the. The two suicide dives and then Brock catching the third one and driving him into the ring post on the outside. He ran full speed at that thing too. Yeah, that was. And then nuts. kind of a kind of a callback to the rumble. Rollins uh, driving Lesnar through the announcer table. Mm-hmm. Except instead of it being an elbow drop, it was a frog splash, but it still looked like it sucked beyond belief. Oh, it definitely did. Yeah, but I mean. They sold that. They they had everybody like on on pins and needles every time he hit a blackout to the point where when he hit the second one, I was like, oh, God, that might be it. And Brock kicked out and like the whole arena. It was just a wave reaction because it's like he's hit him with it twice. Like at that point, it's just like, like what do you do with that at that point? But when he countered that F5, the second he landed on his feet, I knew he had it because I was like, I don't know if Brock has enough in him. And I almost kind of like that when Brock hit that first F5, he didn't immediately go for the cover. And you could tell, and it was a really good bit of storytelling, that he still hadn't completely shook it off the first blackout. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And I have to say that the fact that they did that is a, is a testament to how much they want to put Rollins over big time because they allowed him to go into this match severely injured and, um, you know, completely overpowered just to show how much he was able to still overcome Brock. Exactly. Like I said, this is the one guy who you're not going to find complaining about this company. You know, like, hey, Seth, how does it feel to be the guy who overcame insurmountable odds? You're the Beast Slayer. You're the King Slayer. You're the you're the Becky Slayer. You know what I mean? The like, Becky Slayer. <laughs> you slayed the Beast. You slayed the King. You slayed the Man. He slays a lot of stuff. He's not going to complain <laughs> about being here. People are like oh. getting pissed because he's defending the company. I'm like, are you kidding me? Him? He got he's, to go over Brock Lesnar clean. He slays all kinds of stuff. Would you complain about your job if they if you slayed all kinds of stuff? Hell no. If you were slaying <laughs> Irish taint, you wouldn't be fucking no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I couldn't get that out straight. I tried. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Oh my god! But yeah, I, I, excellent main event by the both of them. Mm-hmm. Like that was—that's well, one of the best matches I've seen Brock have in a long time. Yeah, and and this also has a post match with Rollins. We see him talk about how much he loves WWE. And Slayer. Rollins, after weeks and weeks of torment from Brock Lesnar, not even knowing if he would make it here to SummerSlam tonight, how does it feel to finally slay the beast yet again? I uh, I honestly don't even really know what to say. Uh, that took every single ounce of me, like for months, just everything, physically, emotionally, um, uh, spiritually. If you're into that thing, you know, uh, it just took every ounce of me to get that get that W, and that was the one I wanted. You know, uh, WrestleMania was what it was. Holding the title for a couple months was what it was, but that's the Brock Lesnar I wanted, man. That's the competitor that I wanted in the ring. I, I need to know how good I am, you know? I go out there every every single night and I tell the world how good I am, but that's the proof. And I and I can't do that without him coming with that, with that, all that, all that is Brock Lesnar. So to me, that might be uh, that might be my, my greatest victory in the history of my career. Um, greater than WrestleMania, and and you know this is it. I said it last week on Raw. This is everything I am. This is this is all I got. Well, Universal Champion once again. It's safe to say we're going to see a celebration tomorrow on Raw. Oh, if I can get there, <laughs> I might have to get a bunk and camp here, man. I'm I don't. I, it's going to be tough to get anywhere tomorrow. But uh, thank you very much. I'll make my way. I always do. Thanks. Stop. Congratulations. Could be the most painful episode of Ride Along ever. Yeah, right, right along to the hospital. Which is ironic because the newest one, I think one of the newest ones that came out had uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black. I think it was after Fastlane. Poor Ricochet was hurting the whole ride. So coughing hurt, laughing hurt, hitting over the speed bumps hurt. And I'm just like, man, that sucks. But yeah, absolutely incredible performance. That was one of the that was one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. Yes, indeed. So overall, good SummerSlam. I think we all enjoyed it, right? Yeah, it was a good one. This whole weekend of wrestling has been insane. Like, Of course, as we said, we're going to talk about uh, TakeOver Toronto tomorrow. Yeah, along with everything else that comes up in the news. So don't worry. We'll keep you up to date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that being said... 
thank you to everyone who hung out with us this entire long night. Uh, Elite Gamer 878, Foster Meerkat 74, UT Real 998, Savage Hunts 100, Stasis Mang, Jordan, uh, Dearest 10. 10-4, King Austin 2001, OG Dirty Grease, uh, Brightex Rabbit 920, Icy Jupiter, Linuxer, MG Phantom, Sexy Eyeless Jack, uh, Like That Boy 83, Fatal Bertman, uh, Viable Bleaster, Phil Toxic, uh, BG All Day, Nakamura Fan 1, Sports Fanatic 13, Goku Goose 89, Will 2055, Hailflower 93002 and her brother Vintage Leaf 6603, Royal Nest 250889, Fire Striker 24, Bubba Ray 08, Mr. Matt Squires, Baron 2 Account, Sugar Shane 94, Lyric Guide, Soul Venom Gaming. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Talk Punch Live episode 333, your SummerSlam 2019 post show hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and Destin, we are out of here good night ladies and gentlemen 13 away from 700 let's get it